Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Good things come in threes, and Brisbane has now got three A-League wins in a row thanks to Jamie McLaren scoring the lone goal in a Friday night classic against a big spending Melbourne City. Welcome to episode six of the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. I'm James Coglin here to be your host, and I'm joined once again by two keen-eyed, unique thinkers in Scott Owen and Adam Pace. Guys, welcome to the show. How do we pull up after a big weekend of football? Good evening, James. Good evening, Scott. Um, I think it's yeah, a great weekend for, if you're a Brisbane Raw fan. Uh, men winning, women women winning. That's all, all going well, I think, all of a sudden. It was a very good weekend. Let's get into it. Yeah, right. So, look, we are recording this on Wednesday night. There are other things going on the in the world, but we are going to steer clear of Lisa Simpson's cesspool on the Potomac and, focus, <laughs> and we're going to focus on the perfectly clean world of uh, football. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's a much better idea. All right, all right, let's get into segment one with the A-League review. A resolute defensive effort helped the Raw get another victory on Friday night as the competition's rich kids were held without a goal for the first time this year. Jamie McLaren opened the scoring in the 11th minute and despite a number of chances on the counter, the Raw did not add to their lead. Despite a late rally from City, the scoreline stayed the same and they moved further up the A-League ladder. I suppose a big takeaway for me in this game was the defensive setup for the Raw. They allowed 61% of possession for City, but they were still able to generate much more chances. Adam, were you surprised with how the game played out? Um, I was a little bit because I said I, I tipped it, thought there would be you know, a high-scoring game, but um, while, while the John Lewis's you know, tactics you know, was a surprise, uh, you can't argue with the result, I guess. You know, it's three points you know, and, and we're laughing, basically. Scott? Yeah, I thought the tactical set was interesting. I mean, we have kind of seen it a few times before. I mean, Mike Mulvey down in Melbourne, the last game he coached, he did a similar thing. But I think this time it worked better. The players were more suited to it. You've got McLaren, Tommy Orr, later Brendan Brill. They've got pace. And when you're countering with in behind, you need pace. And it worked very well for the Raw. Yeah, it was very well done. And I suppose the big surprise for me was... Well, what really worked well for the Raw wasn't so much a surprise, but the fact that they got an early goal in the 11th minute through McLaren, and that kind of allowed them to set up and protect the game from there. How much credit do you give Aloisi for that? I think he had to do what he had to do. I think um, at the end of the day, getting, getting the early goal is the perfect sort of, I guess, scenario to begin with. That you know, It meant that you know, not only did you know, we were on the board and in front, and you want to be playing in front, but also as well, for City to actually come out and attack and you know, I guess credit that we you know, were able to hold on yeah I mean, we're talking about Aloisi does, does tremendous credit for that the way he set it up I mean talked about deviation from structures with Mike Mulvey there's a different situation around the club now it's not the same there's more freedom for managers to be able to do things like that and I think Aloisi was able to do that I thought it worked very well for me he does credit for it yeah that's it well some of the interesting stats have popped up on the SBS feed after the game so the Raw actually surprisingly only had 67% pass accuracy. They had 10 crosses to 33 from City, but eight shots to three, which I suppose when you consider the chance, especially in the second half, that's where the Raw did a lot of their things. But we'll start off by talking about the goal. Jamie McLaren, it was basically all the Raw's big hitters involved with that. So Matt Mackay fed the ball to Brett Holman, made a great move to beat a defender, 
Broich took the ball off him. Holman made a run which actually occupied the defenders, fed the ball through to Tommy Orr who rounded the keeper and Jamie McLaren tapped it in. I watched the game this afternoon and it was a much tougher finish than what it looked like initially. It was a narrow angle, angle, wasn't it? I mean, Mm. from my point of view in the back of the den, it looked like it was offside to start with because I couldn't see Manny Musket behind the melee players there. It looked miles offside from my first inspection, but it was a very well-created goal. I think, um, yeah, it, it was a case of, you know, you thought that it was a, it was a tougher option because, you know, it looked like Tommy Orr probably did enough to round Bazanis and, you know, and take the shot himself. But he left, actually, so it's great, actually left it for Jay McLaren and sort of coming on that better angle. And, you know, he was, he was clinical. And, uh, yeah, like I said, they're the chances you got to take because at the end of the day, it was one chance and that's the game. And I'm sure if you ask Tommy Orr, that was definitely meant to be a pass to set up McLaren <laughs> and not just him trying to round the keeper and score himself. <laughs> and you were talking about stats, so there's only one stat that really matters in a football game and... That's a one goal score. to nil. Jeez, you sound scarily like Jose Mourinho there. Hey, come on. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, that was a low blow. Hey, they won at the weekend, all right? So, so that's why you're in a good mood. Exactly. <laughs> now, also with the deviation from the style, like the Raw did still try and play out from the back a fair bit, but boy, did that lead to some nervous moments, especially at the end. Yeah, I think by saying deviation, it wasn't as drastic as we saw with Mike Mulvey. It was just a little bit of a difference in the, in the way it was set up, but there was. I mean, there's that passage of play going around on social media through the second half to quick one touch playing out from the back I mean it, it's it's, a, it is kind of heart in the mouth stuff but when it comes off like that it's absolutely spectacular and if they could get a better pass on the on the final ball there there's plenty of chances to be had yeah like so I, I guess you know with with the raw you know when, when Michael Theo's in goal you've got to expect that you know there's going to be the more play out the back style as opposed to when Jamie Young was in goals but like I said nervous moments but you know it, like I said that as you allude to that play that they've been doing that's gone viral on social media that's you know typifies you know what good playing out the back you know is that's almost Brisbane Raw of old James yeah it is and if it's something that happened on FIFA the person you're playing against will probably say <laughs> the game sucks and it's broken or something <laughs> left the game now, now my standout player of the game was Luke Devere I've been pretty harsh on him so far this season but I thought that was a phenomenal effort for him and the entire back four as a whole to really blunt what is a potent Melbourne City attack and yeah, it was phenomenal. I can't say much more about him. Oh, I think the whole the whole back four has got to be crowd. I think, you know, as we've alluded to in the last couple of weeks, the form of Corey Brown and Jack Hingott, you know, supporting um, Luke Devere and Jade North. I think as a unit, I think you know, they're going very well at the moment. And look, you know, we can, we can always point and say that, you know, it's only three weeks removed from the calamity down in, in Newcastle. But you know what? It's obvious, it's obvious that they've done a bit of work and they've actually sort of come back stronger than ever. And that, I think it's a more a blip on the radar than rather than something more systematic. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I thought Corey Brown was my mental match as well. We mentioned last week with Melbourne City, it's not one you have to shut down. It's not just Fawn Rolly or Cahill. It's all four of them. And I thought across the back four, they all did a tremendous job. I mean, the amount of block crosses that Corey, Blair, Corey Brown blocked, if I can spit it out, <laughs> the amount of crosses he blocked was absolutely brilliant. I mean, Yeah, he, Brown was also another player that was phenomenal. It was one of those things that didn't really jump out for me initially because I was focused more on Devere, but Brown did a really good job shutting down Brandant. And in front of them as well, Thomas Christensen did an excellent job as well. That's right. Blocking so, space and cutting out things in the middle. I think well. I think we also forget about him that you now I think Thomas Christensen looks definitely like a number six who shields defence. And like I said, I, I like obviously I saw watch the game from home on on Friday night and Tim Cahill being mentioned, you know, was a few and far thing. He was he was so deep, you know, trying to trying to get play and that's gotta be a credit to um to our not only our back four, but Christensen screening him as well. Yeah, well I think the way that the Raw played was just really 
good enough. I think for me, it showed a maturity that might have been missing a little bit last season where if plan A didn't work, they did find themselves getting quite frustrated and maybe not getting out the results that they should have. They do have a plan B as well. Yeah. Just trying to break things up a little bit. It might be something they can do on the road a little bit more. Might be able to talk about that later. Because that was one thing that did kind of make me a little bit nervous was the fact that everyone was going to go, oh, there's Tim Cahill, let's stop him, and then completely forget about the leading scorer yeah. last season, Bruno Fornaroli. Now, that was pretty much it for the raw side of the game, but off the pitch, I noticed a couple of interesting things from my seat. There were some communication issues with uh, calling in the subs. I saw Ross Aloisi trying to... Uh, signal in oh you know who do you want to get to come in uh, Arana I thought was going to come on soon after Dimi Petrados but actually meant to call Borello it was just one of those interesting little trivia notes no I didn't see any of this this is something you don't see in the back row of the den unfortunately it wasn't apparent on Fox Sports or SPS either so well, that, that's what you get on this show though. you get different yeah. perspectives yeah. from you know the different yeah. viewing angles anyway there was a fair bit of fire in this game and I feel like yeah. something that's becoming fairly common across a lot of the Brisbane-Melbourne City games. We saw it in the December fixture last year and then in 53rd minute things all seemed to take off with Manny Musket I suppose swinging the back of his head, I don't want to call it a headbutt, but <laughs> making a fairly aggressive move with his skull to try and get away from Brett Holman. Yeah, it's, uh, I think just overall, I think a lot of it is, you know, familiarity. I think, you know, obviously a lot, there's a lot of, you know, raw players are now Melbourne City players and it just seems like there's a there's sort of a lot more niggle, but obviously you know the the Musketar Holman sort of you know, I think that's that's what sort of sparked it off. But obviously those two wouldn't be exactly familiar. But I think then once after that, I think it's sort of you know familiarity. I think the funniest thing is seeing you know best mates Corey Brown and uh, Luke Bratton <laughs> yeah. squaring off, and you know how many actually people actually thought they were serious. But you can tell on the TV that now they were smiling the whole time. So especially because Corey Brown, I think Bratton was saying he pulled his hair. Well, there's enough of it there. Anyway, there's a lot. There's been a lot of riding on a lot of the games between the Raw and Melbourne City. Look, think back to the last game last year. I mean, the Raw had a premiership almost sitting on the end of that game away to Melbourne City. Yeah. And City were going for it as well, and there was obviously the red card to Hingit and some other incidents as well. So there's been a lot of niggle incidents in the games between the two teams. Well, no, we'll never well. forget that uh, finish as well in the game, cross one game last year with uh, Enrique's you know, 40 metre. Four meter uh, sort of empty net goal. So now after a very sort of you know, brutal, you no know, hard fought game. So I think there's two, you know, real competitive, um, I guess, uh, competition between these two clubs. I think they two of the better clubs in the league, and I think they they know it and they sort of want to put it forward. Well, I also think with a lot of ex Brisbane players in the team, you're going to see these guys going. Well, Brisbane was setting the benchmark while I was there, so these are the guys that we have to knock off. But. Uh, with all that spite, though, I will give credit to Peter Green, the referee. I thought there were a couple of incidents there where someone a little bit less calm would have given red cards because there was a late Jacobson not stomp. Not mentioning any names here, are we? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was a late stomp from Jacobson, which he was clearly going for the ball on replay and whatnot, but he still managed to catch Broich on the leg. And I think uh, yeah, another referee could have easily sent off two or three players there without much thought, but Green just went, guys grow up and I think that was actually a really clever cleverly officiated situation but uh, one of the players that was involved in a lot of that drama was uh, former Raw player Luke Bratton now I went on the Talking City podcast last week and thought there'd be you know a smattering of boos but he was public enemy number one I haven't seen a little bit wrong on that one weren't you I'm never wrong (laughs) but yeah he got he he got a lot from the crowd are you surprised with how that reaction was I was surprised I mean it started off a bit bit gentle and then he, I think he revved up the crowd in the 
in the corner there, one of the, he was taking the corner kick and it grew from there and then he had a couple of fouls with the Corey Brown thing and all the rest of it and then it really did take off. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of the booing of former players, but I do see why it took off. I just, I don't, my view on it is I don't see why you boo former players. Just respect what they did when they were here and move on. Unless they've done something to warrant, mm. like, example, Alex Brosk going to Sydney and all the rest of that and Barisha and... Yeah, for me, what really stands out with Bratton is the fact that he said, you know, I'm not going to go and play for another A-League club. Now, admittedly, it was kind of circumstances out of his control which brought him back to Melbourne City, but... Is he still a homegrown player, James? From the yeah, original youth side, played 100 and something games for the club. I mean... I, that's right. I'm still surprised with how much he got, but what really, you know, got me was the fact that they were booing Ivan Franjic when he came on. Yeah, that, that was no sense that was really poor to me. It's, it seems to be... Um, like it's, it's hard to sort of describe why, like trying to quantify why it's happening. You know, like I said, there's been incidents, obviously, players, you know, Mitch Nichols, Robbie Cruz, yeah. Bess Up Richard come to mind very quickly. They those who yeah. have <laughs> Who's incited the crowd, they've done things. But Luke Bratton, you know, especially considering that it was our club that stuffed him over mm-hmm. to a point, went off to chase a dream, and he's come back, you know, admittedly, he probably shouldn't have said what he said, you know, about a sideways movement. But you know what? You, you're not, you don't have crystal balls at the time. I'm sure he, I, I'm sure, you know, if you speak to him, that, you know, him playing at Melbourne City wasn't the first goal when he, when he said that at the time. So that, and Ivan Franich as well being booed. I just, I just understand sometimes why, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the school that, you know what, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, fans should, you know, clap him or pull him because I think it's even dumber than booing him. You just you just say silence. You just don't acknowledge it. You know, I think it's I think it's where I, I don't know. It comes down to education of the fans sometimes. I think you know this whole booing of previous players, unless they've done something to deserve it. I think yeah, it's it's a little bit disrespectful. And yeah, two quick points. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with cheering them either. But with Franich, there's a really good news story there as well. He's just come back from a serious issue yeah, with his health. Yeah. And also, if Bratton's getting booed, Enrique's a jury here in a few weeks. Is he going to get booed as well? I mean, where does it end? Oh, I not. I, yeah, where does that's... it end with booing a former players? I mean, if... I really hope he doesn't get booed, but I would not be surprised based on the weekend. For me, yeah. I it doesn't happen. Yeah, no, I was going to say, you know, if anyone hear, from the, hear the sound of my voice, you know, geez, please, uh, don't, don't boo Enrique. You know, that's just, you know, I, like I say, it's not that he deserves it. Unless, like I say, unless he does something in the next couple of weeks that warrants it, like, but look, I think yeah, you, booing players is something that they've asked for that they've inside. But you know, a, a champion of our club, you know, it just didn't happen. At least that there's there's precedent where it's happened. Like I think Massimo Madoka, when he came back, I think at least that he was applauded, roundly applauded. You know, and, and I think they, I remember, I think we sung a song for him they, at some it, point. It, it helped that the yeah. Raw were up three 0 at the time. It did, yeah. But uh, I just think yeah, I think yeah, you know, unless unless they deserve something, like I know, I think Mitch Nichols has got. What for for him uh, yeah. coming when he's here late in the season? But yeah, yeah. Anyway, so all the stories. I think yeah. just respect yeah. what they did here mm. and move on. For me, there's no hard and fast rule one way or the other. It's a case by case basis. But yeah, some of that seemed a little bit to go a little bit over the top. Maybe it was a bit yeah. of a pantomime thing. But I think it was actually. Now, the, aside from the raw, the main attraction on Friday night was Tim Cahill. So Who? we're going to. We're going to give him about. Oh. The, we're going to give him the same amount of time for the amount of impact he had on the game. So that's and it. we're going to move finished? on to the yeah. crowd of twenty thousand one hundred and ninety-eight. <laughs> it seemed to be a fairly generous estimate, but the bottom tier was fairly full. Mm. Obviously, that was the Tim Cahill effect. A lot of people wanting to come and see the soccer. One of, if not the soccer, is greatest footballers. How do we get the fans to stay every week? That's a big thing for me. <laughs> Keep winning. I, yeah, look, I, I personally think, you know, what you just got to hope that, you know, if you can, those, you know, five, six extra thousand, 
even if we get you know, 30, 40% of them yeah. to come back, you know, it gets a 50. I, I think 20,000 in 2016, 17, I think that's a pipe dream at best. But I think if you can at least build on that, um, yeah, I think it's we won't be, be at. Yeah, in all seriousness, situations like Tim Cale coming to Brisbane, they're an opportunity for the club they're travelling to. So and for the Raw, it's an opportunity for them to get people in to see Tim Cahill and then get them to be captured by the Brisbane Raw product and come back again and then maybe tell someone else about it and bring them along as well. And that's where, you know, having an exciting game like they had on Friday night will help. And also for the cynics questioning why Tim Cahill came back to the A-League, that is why he's getting paid so much money. And after the game, he was coming around signing yeah. autographs for ages. He was out there for about an hour. I know, I and speaking of the fans who came to the game we should say a big thank you to those that helped out with the fan cams absolutely some mm. of them may not remember helping us out but we do appreciate <laughs> it now one quick uh, touch on thing they've got a new walkout song this oh. year the Raw do but look I thought Katy Perry's halftime show, Super Bowl halftime show was pretty cool and she has some catchy songs but is that really the best option it seems was a bit it really o- cool really yeah it was it could have also been the end result of that game for me but don't start with it. <laughs> we'll be here all day <laughs> that's right so we're going to move on we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with segment two of the brisbane football review you're listening to the brisbane football review powered by outside90.com Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. And we hope you enjoyed that little musical interlude. It's time for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review, part of the Outside90 Fan Network. We're going to move on from Friday night, look at some of the other news and results from around Australia, and get started with Saturday afternoon's W League clash. Scott was there representing us, so how about a little bit on how the women's side got their season started? Okay, so it was a W League season opener for the competition, and Brisbane won the game two goals to one. I mean, it was a very even game, actually. For the first half, there were a few chances, but nothing spectacular. And um, not long after halftime, I think it was 53rd minute from memory, Caitlin Ford opened the scoring. It was a cross and a cutback and a tap-in. And then not long after that, there was a cross, a substitute, Alira Toby just come on off the bench and she scored with basically her first touch with for the Brisbane Raw, the header. And then the winner for the Raw came about 10 minutes later from Katrina Gorey. It was a long range shot. It's gone straight through the keeper's hands. So it was a bit of a mistake from the goalkeeper, but it was a, it was a very good goal and the Raw were well worth their win in the end. And also the big story out of that game, the crowd, 3,105 people there at Spencer Park. That's a, I believe it's a W League regular season record for games that aren't double headers with the A League. So but there's a tremendous signs there for the Raw. They promoted the game well. They put it at a, a friendly time at a friendly venue, and they got a terrific crowd out of it. So I think the Italians well over, for the Raw. I think the Italians at the Brisbane at Brisbane South would be very happy. I think that'd be the fullest it's been yeah. for a long time. That's a very very good sign I think for mm-hmm. football in, in the city at the moment. But and the W League team have gone through so much in the last month with all the off field issues, and they've done so much for the club. With, re- with past success. I mean, it's good to see them get such a good crowd there to see them play. Hopefully it translates a little bit more up to Redcliffe in a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, if that's a big question for the W League here is can they build on that and still draw a decent crowd when it's so far away from the centre of Brisbane? I think the next one's Sunday at 4pm or something. So there's a chance they could do it, but 
because it's so far north, I mean, some people are going to look at that and say, no. Yeah. But yeah. hopefully they do travel because it was a very good game and they play good football. I think where we're going to have, we're going to see the drop off in crowd might be those ten thirty a.m. kickoffs. I think, yeah. I, th- I think a lot of that is going to be where the, you know a major factor in you know getting a decent crowd. I think I think the uh, four four p.m. kickoffs are still you know fairly you know fan friendly, but it's those early kickoffs that are really going to you know that's going to you know, determine whether you know, it's it's a good crowd or whether you know it sort of drops off a little bit. Yeah, that's it. Now. Uh, well, I saw the highlights and I was really impressed by the goal by Gori. It was a yeah. phenomenal strike. It's a long range, yeah. Yeah, good for her. Now, some of the other uh, W League results in round one. Adelaide and Melbourne victory played out a pretty impressive 3-3 draw. That was the TV game on Sunday. Well, that's got to be good. Yeah. I mean, you have entertaining games on TV. Then you've got Melbourne City 1-0 over Newcastle and Perth 4-2 over West Sydney. So that would put the top four at Perth, Brisbane, Melbourne City and Adelaide, which, you know, the table counts for everything after round one, right? Absolutely. That's... <laughs> Let's just play the grand final now, Perth and Brisbane. That makes sense. Let's go. All right. And, of course, it'll be in Brisbane because Perth always have the home games. They love a complaint, Perth, so let's give them another reason to. (laughs) So we're going to move on to the rest of the A-League. Saturday afternoon, Wellington got up 2-0 over Newcastle. How much did Wellington need that win? I think it was... uh yeah, that one was a must-win for, for Wellington. At least it kicks off their season. Roy Christian is the only goal, guy that scored all the goals so far. And, look, they, they were um, very good, Wellington, I thought. they um, Newcastle were, I think, the bubble may have burst a little bit. They were, they were pretty ordinary away from home. But, no, it's good to see Wellington actually you know, put it together because you know, there have been a couple of pretty poor results and I think it might at least be a state of execution on Ernie Merrick. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I didn't see this game, obviously. I was at the W League, but it's... For Ernie Merrick, that's a big result. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation the last week about is his job under threat? Three points should should coil that for just a little while anyway. And following that game was the Big Blue, Sydney FC against Melbourne victory. Now, the victory, end of the day, they wasted too many chances to complain about any sort of referee mishap. Barisha missed the penalty and it was, you know, that's my whole thing. Take care of your own business They missed a lot of chances, but that's a a clear handball. I mean, there's no getting around that and the referee's angle, he really should have seen that. I thought he should have seen that anyway, given the angle he was on. It was pretty blatant for me. I think the referee should have seen that. It's a good finish from uh, Carney, though, once he did actually bring it under yeah. control. Yeah, two two good finishes, actually. The the uh, the equaliser and the winner as well. I think, you know, David Carney coming off the bench, you know, the super sub role, it might uh, actually suit him. And Sydney again solidifying the fact that they started the season the best among the A-League teams. Might not finish that way because it doesn't always work out that way, but they've started very well. Now, uh, over to the Sunday's game. Central Coast... Uh, defeated Adelaide 2-1. Does that take any of the pressure off Paul Ocon? Oh, yeah, it does, yeah. I mean, he still talks a lot of stuff that makes not so much sense, but for that that win for him and his team is like gold. And I saw something about... I know Adam's very critical of the words Ocon's saying, but if you think about it, he's gone into a side that his confidence is absolutely rock bottom. And if he's seen criticising them in public, they're not, their confidence isn't going to recover as quickly as if he praises them in public. And he might not be as praiseworthy behind closed doors, but if he's... He's got to build yeah. that confidence up somehow because they were, they were surely shot after last season. Yeah. It was a good win for them. It's the publicly I've got you back, but privately I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, in in my defence and now my criticism of Paul Oak, I think goes a little a step too far. I think it's just you, a point you where he lost it, the plot. You said, well, yeah, you know, and some, you know, when you're saying, you know, when you get beat four 0 and say that, you know, <laughs> you, you, they're playing well, like it's, it's a bit different. But look, you know, oh, look, you, you, give, you give credit where it's due, and you know, uh, Central Coast they could have, you know, easily packed it in. 
uh, when they when they went down to Adelaide, and you know they, they fought back, they got the winner, and you know good on them. You know it's we need we need a strong competition. We don't want you know teams that are tailing off. So, and just quickly, James, the off-season swap of Connor Payne and Mel and Mitch Austin that's worked beneficially for both. That's both right. clubs have got good players out of it, and both players have found themselves in better situations. Well, heck situations heck that work well for man. them. One, one of those rare win-win types yeah, of uh, exchanges. Absolutely. Now, the final game Sunday. I missed this because I was at an engagement party. Congratulations, Stewie and Annie. Not that you listen. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was 2-2 between Perth and Western Sydney. Another home game for Perth. They always seem to get those. <laughs> Even contest, but we got to see the good and bad from Brent and Santalab in this game. What did you guys take away from it? I didn't see much of this game, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I did sit through the game and oh, look, you know, Brendan Sandler has become one of those players where you know what you love to have him on your team for his goal scoring, but geez, he does some dumb things and you know, I, you, know you don't know what when the switch goes on, you know what what he's thinking at times, but you know he's he's a game winner, but he, you know, he can also be a game loser because you, know, you know I think he was lucky just to get a yellow in the last five minutes. And given the Wanderers' results from home at home the last two weeks, it was important for him to go on the road and pick up something as well. That's it. All right, so we're going to move on just quickly to what's been in the news lately. And the big story to come out for us this week is uh, the possibility of a second Brisbane team being mentioned with the NPL side and former NSL champions, which I believe you're contractually obligated to... No, we're not mentioning that ever again on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The Brisbane Strikers. So we discussed expansion a while ago, so we're not going to go into great Mm -hmm. detail on it, but are they the best NPL side in the Brisbane area? Like, best uh, for second A-League licence? I'm not convinced, no, for a few reasons. I mean, I said a couple of weeks ago I thought there had to be a clear divide. And I mentioned the Western Corridor as the perfect spot. You could have the, the Western part with their own team. I mean, I know there's a bit of a rivalry developing with the Strikers and the Raw in the MPL, but I don't think it's strong enough for the Strikers to be able to get a following up to make it work. And, I mean, they're talking about Perry Park. I mean, they're going to have to get some serious renovations done for that because I don't... I mean, Suncorp Stadium cops a lot, but it is a central stadium. It's got superb facilities. It's easy to get to. So I think they're going to have to be very careful about how they do that if they go to Perry Park. Yeah, as I was you know, fairly scathing a couple of weeks ago, and I, nothing's changed my mind on that now that we know that Brisbane Strikers are the, you know, the possible second team. But I guess, the, you know, backing up from what I said a couple of weeks ago, but the one, I guess brief point says that you know at the end of the day I can go into a bank and ask for a hundred thousand dollars but it doesn't mean to say I'm gonna get the loan so look at the end of the day it's all nice and cute that they've got plans but I'd like to see and I think the Brisbane football public will want to see a lot more detail about how they're going to pull it off because at the moment Buckley's chance in hell to be honest the good thing is they've got a bit of lead in time because they're not saying they're not going to do it until midway through the next TV deal so it's a good couple of years from to flesh this out if it's going to work but and that's what I think everyone's I have waiting my doubts. for see for me yeah, okay, Brisbane Strikes might be the best NPL-based option, but I'd rather see them start a second team afresh and try and utilise some of that NPL support that might not have latched onto the Raw as much as they would have hoped and say, you know, you've got Brisbane, I don't know, whatever you want to call them. But, yeah, I'll be interested to see, because we were talking about it beforehand, like there are so many just little questions about any second Brisbane side, and there are so many more, I suppose, better candidates on paper. Like, for me, Canberra is first, Daylight second, and then... Tasmania's popped up the last couple of days with strong backing as well. Yeah, see, for me, I'd rather see the game expand onto new frontiers rather than than try and solidify Brisbane, I suppose. If the derby does come back, we want it to stay this time as well. Obviously, the Gold Coast collapsed for very different reasons with ownership stuff, but if it comes back, you want it to stay. 
Yeah. I think as I think as well. Yeah, and this is probably a topic for another time as well. But just quickly, sort of touching on it, it all, I guess the way forward depends on what the FFA does now, and it all comes down to promotion and relegation. Because if we're going to stick to you know the franchise system, you know 14, 12, 14, 16 teams, then I really think there is a cause for a new franchise to be made. But if we go in pro- promotion and relegation, then that's where the likes of a Brisbane Strikers or any of the MPL clubs. You know, it becomes, a, becomes an issue having that existing that sort of base rather than, you know, starting fresh. And I do think it's time for the FFA to step up and identify if there's going to be promotional relegation, a bit more of a time frame on it. Because yeah. there's a lot of teams in the second division who are just considering at the moment. I think it's they need clarity on that. Yeah, but anyway, that's a topic for another it, day. It's funny. We were talking about, you know, the last TV deal being potentially make or break for the A-League, whereas I think now this one is now make or break for the A-League. I think it's also about getting it on free-to-wear on a good broadcast where they can get more eyeballs as well. Maybe and not the absolute top dollar. And but again, another topic yeah. for another day. Yes, that's it. And anyway, that's going to do it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back with a preview of the National Youth League campaign. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to the Switch 1197 Studios for Segment 3 of the Brisbane Football Review. With the National Youth League season getting underway at the weekend, we're going to take a look at the young rule squad. Adam, who have we got for the goalkeepers? Uh, goalkeepers this year is uh, Thomas Labilic and Andre Dinesi. Defenders, Scott? Yep, okay, so the defenders got Cameron Cristani, Mark Rodic, Hayden McHenry and Aaron Reardon. Midfielders over to Adam? Uh, yeah, it's the uh, young Socceroos captain, Joe Coletti, Jesse Daly, uh, Daniel Driver, Dane Ingham, Nathan Constantopoulos... I think I got that wrong. <laughs> uh, Nicholas Panetta and Adam Sawyer. Twice I said you do the midfielders. No, oh, thanks. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> all right, so who have we got for the forwards then? Now, okay. don't, don't get any of these wrong. You've got all the pressure on you. <laughs> all right, so we have new signing Joe Duckworth from Western Pride, the only new player in the squad. You've got Joseph Champness, Jaden Prasad, and Harrison Sawyer. And we've got the manager, James Robinson, who's an ex-Melbourne Victory North Queensland Fury attacker. He was managing the Ballarat Red Devils in NPL Victoria. So. Yes. Overall, top to bottom, how would you rate this squad for someone who doesn't follow a lot of youth league? It looks a, it's a very good squad. I mean, if you've been following the young raw side for the last 12 months or so, you've seen a lot of these players. I mean, they're just, it's development. I mean, it's a big year for a lot of them. I mean, last year it was Craig Moore saying you've got two years in the youth setup to push on to be a first-team player. So for a lot of these players, it's a big year. But there's some very good, talented players in there. I mean, the guys like Champness and Prasad have just been in the AFC under-20s qualifiers. So there's some talent in there to... To work with, sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it looks a very, very sort of, you know, it's a settled side. I think that's probably the yeah. word. Like, it's very hard to draw form lines in um, in youth football. Like, this this same squad, you know, they come out one week and beat Adelaide United 10-0, <laughs> who are to the top of, top of the conference, and then come out the next week and get beat 1-0 by Perth. So, I guess form is very, very hard, but it is a very settled side, which, you know, I think it bodes well. I think definitely there's a couple of players in this squad that you know you may be seeing in future years for the Brisbane Raw in the A-League. And just on the one new signing, Joe Duckworth, he was one of the, the stars of the 2016 MPL for Western Pride. Scored a lot of goals for them, I think. 
and you, I can't remember the name of the program, but it was a MPL pathway or something. You could win a, you could go down to trial with Sydney FC to be in their youth side. He, thankfully for the Raw, he didn't win that award, and he's picked come into the Raw squad because he's a very good young player. Excellent. So. I feel like the strikers are probably the strongest yeah. area, not the Brisbane strikers, the attacking <laughs> strikers. Uh, they're going to be the Our ones... strikers score goals. <laughs> Shots fired. I look forward to the banter on that one. Yeah, so I think just looking at the Raw's senior squad, there are going to be a few positions open coming up in the next year or two. So we could see some of these guys coming through. Joe Coletti now... I've gotten this wrong a couple of times, but he was the one that was signed from Melbourne Victory? No, he was the one from the FFA Centre of Excellence. Who am I thinking of? The goalkeeper, Yanessi, came yeah, from the... And ah. so did so did Katabian, as yeah. Adam said. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it's late. I'm getting hungry anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like these guys, you know, they're going to be the ones that might have to come yeah. in and replace a Matt Mackay or a Thomas Broich if they decide to move on at the end of their contract. So... There are opportunities for these guys to go in, and we were talking about how John Aloisi's trying to create this sort of pathway from the youth setup all the way into the A-League team. Yeah, and there's a few players who could benefit from that as well. I mean, it's not just the youth players. There's also some young players in the A-League squad, guys like Kai Rolls, Conor O'Toole, Nick Diagostino. These guys will feature in it as well, and they will, they're also players who can benefit from the pathway that's trying to be created as well. All right, so they've got four home games listed yep. on the schedule at the moment. So November 12th, this Saturday, against Melbourne Victory at Spencer Park. I'm curious to see what gets a bigger crowd, the Youth League or the Women's League. It'd probably be the Women's League based on I'd hope so. previous experience, but I hope a lot of people do get down once again to Spencer Park. Yeah, you've got December it's the only game in town this weekend, so... Yeah, there you go. You've got uh, December 3rd against Melbourne City at AJ Kelly Field. So 2pm kickoff, not too bad. A week later against yeah. Adelaide United at 10.30am. I think that one might need some very strong coffee if you're yeah, coming from... Yeah, I'm taking from... my sleeping bag oh, out the did, front of Did the corresponding fixture last year and... Yeah, it's, it was um, too, it was an early morning Yeah, game, 10.30 yeah. kickoff at Cleveland. And boy, did I get sunburned. Well. Perth was as well, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that doesn't make a lot of sense with this youth league setup is you've got 10.30am games in Brisbane in summer. I think it's about the um, accommodation and the fact that they uh, only get one night's accommodation or something like that. Yeah, I'm pretty no. sure that's what it is and they... They take it the night before and they fly home afterwards and flights like Perth, Brisbane to Perth are not Easy frequent. To by, You've got yeah. to make sure you're on the one for the day. And Well, that makes a bit more reason. sense. And then the final it's game... It's just yeah. hard for the football. But anyway. And then the final game is January 8th against, against Perth Glory at AJ Kelly Field. So I'm sure we'll be out and about at those games and see us come say hi because... Oh, and please don't punch me for some of the jokes that I've made. <laughs> <laughs> so the striker sense we asked me outside earlier. <laughs> Anyway, so for the Raw, what do you think constitutes a successful campaign? Playing well or winning? Both. Yeah, I think, I think both. Um, so at the end of the day, it's nice to you know, get into that conference final if possible, but you know what? It's all about performance. You want, and like I said, you want to see some of these, these kids you know, develop into you know, future A-League players, and that's, I think that's actually you know, the main, main game here at the yeah. moment. Yeah, I should expand on that. I mean, it is about development for these players. I mean, they are trying to create fully-fledged professional careers and it is about development. But winning is also a habit. And if you get into a winning habit now, it can benefit you down the line as well. So that's why I think it's about both. You've got to p- develop players and hopefully win. And this squad's capable of doing both. I'd be very interested to see how you know, James Robinson actually goes as coach. I think you know, whether he, the structures he puts in place where they, where they mimic you know, the, the uh, senior squad or whether he has their own sort of little, you know, I guess, deviations to it. So I think there's actually a lot of intrigue coming into this season about the Youth League, I, I think. I was just about to say the exact same thing. The one variable is the coach. We don't know what a James Robinson side looks like yet. But for me, you'd almost have to be taking direction from yeah. Aloisi and co because 
at the end of the day, these are the guys you want coming in. You don't want to have to spend, you know, a season learning the new setup. And I'm guessing, would they be training together at any point in time? Uh, some of the younger players uh, that are on the fringe do train with the first team, but so, not all of them. So you'd want to be streamlining it in some yeah. way, shape or form then. And I know we've seen it at the national team level all across the world where the youth system is not quite in sync with what the first team manager wants. So it kind of suffers from there. Yeah, I think look, I think more than likely you'd you'd expect it to be yeah. the sort of the same system as what Jonathan Witsy has at the senior level. But like you never you never know. Sometimes you see these slight these slight deviations, slight because at the end of the day, again, it's while well, part of it is performance. You know, to change up to actually get that win. You know, that's probably the, that's probably the, their question. And when you do look at the squad, it does line up very similarly to the A League squad mm-hmm. when you look at potential light, potential formations and systems and other stuff. I suppose for me, the one thing I would love to see out of this squad as the season goes on is consistency because what you see with a lot of young players is they can come in and have a great game the first week, but then, like, their debut game, they come in and play so well because they've been preparing their whole life for it, but then the next week, they've only got a week to get ready for that and they're not quite at that same level. Well, as I mentioned before, you know, in the, in the space of, I think it was two weeks, you know, you have you had the squad come out and, and beat Adelaide, you know, at 10-0. Yeah. And then next week, come out and play absolutely you know, horrific against Perth Glory and get beat 1 0. So, you know, consistency, you know, is, is a big sort of challenge for these youth players. So, And from memory, the year before as well, when they were playing at Perry Park, I mean, I'm, I'm, from memory, they did have a home game against someone and they could have potentially won the league when there was no grand final back then. They could have won the league and. They drop points that day as well. So consistency is a—it's an issue if you are trying to win this competition. But I think it's an issue you now across sort of you know, the yeah. whole competition, both conferences. I don't think it's just a, a Brisbane Raw thing. Oh. You know, I think a lot—it's mm. very, very hard. I, I wouldn't want want to be betting on the uh, young youth league because really. yeah, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. And I know there's a like I know there are budgetary restrictions and whatnot with as you were saying accommodation, but. Yeah. It seems like 10 weeks isn't really a whole lot to get a good idea, but then, you know, the rule do have the NPL side. I was doing some research on this last night because I was going to go and come in here and say that the system's not working, but 14 players who were on youth team deals at this time last year have played through the NPL and the youth league and are now playing in the A-League. Guys like Buharja, Adam Berry, Jordan O'Doherty and these guys. So it is working, but where it's not working is for the players on an A-League deal who can't play in the NPL. So guys like Shannon Brady, Devante Clute last year couldn't play in the NPL for whatever reason. We've got to find out. I want to try and find out exactly what that reason is because I've heard conflicting reports, but they couldn't play, and that stifles their development because they're on an A League deal now, and they've got an eight game season here, and they weren't in the frame for the A League, and there's nowhere for them to play, and that's kind of where the youth league used to used to have a dual role. It used to be developing young players and keeping players fit for the first team, and it's now fulfilling one of those, and it might have neglected the other for. Budgetary reasons. I just realised I said it was a 10-game season before. I was actually thinking it was a 10-team competition instead no. of eight games. It's but eight game. Never mind me, I don't, I don't do maths. It's <laughs> 10 weeks, you should have gone with it. And on that high note, I'm actually going to call an end to this segment. Yep. We're going to move on and preview the upcoming weekend. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
Welcome back to the Switch 1197 Studios for the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review, part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. Before we get into the preview of the Adelaide game, Scott, how can the fans get in contact with us? Okay, okay so we've got our Facebook account at facebook.com slash Brisbane Football Review, our Twitter at, at Raw Review, podcast is on iTunes and Audio Boom, and Switch 1197, you can listen as well. That's right, we are working on trying to get the uh, brand name synchronised to We're Brisbane. We're hoping to, yeah. But uh, technology hates us on a good day. But yeah, if you do hear us, try and get in contact with us because we may have some use for those fans yeah, next week. Absolutely. Keep your eyes peeled. So before we get started on the Raw game specifically, we're going to skip over that and start talking about uh, the other games this weekend. We've got Newcastle at Melbourne City on Thursday night. We've got Wellington at Central Coast early Saturday, 4.35, then West Sydney Wanderers against Melbourne Victory. Sunday, Perth are making a rare road trip over to Sydney FC for the lone game on Sunday afternoon. So we'll talk more about that in uh, yeah. detail a little bit later. just wanted to get those fixtures out of the way. But it's the second straight Friday night fixture for the Raw. They're travelling to Cooper Stadium to face the defending champions Adelaide United, who are on a run of three straight 2-1 defeats. Kickoff set for 7.20pm local time if you're travelling to Adelaide, but if you're going to be watching it in Brisbane, it's 6.50pm as per usual for the Friday night window. I've got some all-time stats, which I'm going to read out now, because Scott is giving me an interesting look. <laughs> so, all-time stats. It's played 37, won 14, lost 15, and drawn 8 against Adelaide. At Cooper Stadium, it's played 19, won 10, lost 6, drawn 3. They've got a pretty good record in Adelaide, but they've lost the last two games down there, one of which was at Adelaide Oval. So, I actually was trying to think, that would be one of the few... Adelaide are one of the few teams that have got a losing record against. It is, actually. I think they're maybe Melbourne Victory as well, off the top of my head. Yeah. Maybe Melbourne City as well, actually. I can't... Off the top of my head, but... And the, yeah, there's the, not many, you're right, because of recent years. Mm. Our, raw, our road farm at the moment has been pretty ordinary, so that's sort of, you know, really sort of... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stats aren't working for us at the moment. Yeah, well, I remember that uh, final couple of years ago against Adelaide where Corey Brown just got caught out of position and Franz Tyson was making full use of his bench. Yes, as always. Full com- like, they were great conversation. They he didn't kept do a lot his on subs pitch. on the bench for the big game against Uroa a couple of weeks later where he didn't use him anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Got to keep him fresh for games you don't use him in. That's it. So, we'll start off with the Raw squad. Jamie McLaren is the big guy that's going to be missing. He's, of course, with the Socceroos in Thailand. Adam, who do you see making the start up top? Oh, that's, that's a good question, without, especially without knowing the um, squads. Um, we, we talked about last week. I, look, I'm going to has a guess that you know, maybe it might be a false nine. Maybe Dimi Petrados starts up there, but like, so that may be in name only, and there might be a bit of a rotation. But without, without squads, uh, yeah, it's very hard to know. Yeah, first of all, both going to be wrong, because it's going to be somebody named tomorrow we don't mention. But for me, it'll be Borello. He's been in good form off the bench. He adds pace. If we do try and play a similar way this week to last week, he can fill that role with McLaren. I think it'll be Borello. So you think Borello up, actually up top? Yeah, I think, I think he can play as a striker. As, an as a number nine with the 28 on his back. Yeah, well, someone's got to wear the number 28. That's just number. It's a good number. That's right. I, I would actually not be at all surprised to see Joey Katabian get a start. Like, it's a it would, it would be yeah. a straight I mean, swap. Yeah. You can play... You can play him as the out-and-out striker and not change the overall setup of the team. And I feel like Aloisi might want to try and keep things as close to the status quo as possible because it has worked well enough for the last few weeks. I think as also we alluded to last week, I think it was a case of if this was a home game, I think yeah. I'd say that'd be the favourite. Be. But yeah, the away, the away form is a bit of a worry and uh, whether they go for the experience you know, over, over so youth, that's, that's I guess a big question. But I certainly wouldn't rule out anything at the moment, yeah. especially two days 
The bottom Dank line is we're, we're all three of us are guessing, really. I don't think any of us have a, much of a clue about who's going to play up front in this game. Because we're doing radio, we have to guess. Yeah. And we have to say it as though it's always going to be the truth, even though we've said three different options. Well, I'm going to mention Nick D'Agostino as an outside chance as well. You never know. Mm. Just in case it actually does happen. I prefer it. I'd love to see it happen, but I don't think it will. You never know. Well, the one thing that I suppose would really... Like, the question that would be bugging me if I was Aloisi would be, you've got McLaren out, so you've got Borello and Arana on the bench from yeah. last week. Do one of them come in and play? Or mm. do you just say, all right, they're going to have another week on the bench to get match fit, and then do we bring in someone from the outside to come in and play for an hour before we move in with, say, Petrados or even put Broich up top? I don't think it'll be Arana starting. I mean, he only played, what, 10 minutes, was it, last week? Something like that, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's ready for a start, but he'll probably play a part off the bench. He did get some encouraging signs, so yeah. a couple of nice little flicks. It was, was good value for his... Yeah. Yeah? All right, so looking at the Adelaide squad, is there anyone in particular that you're worried about? Uh, I think Marcello Kruska is the one. I think, yeah, I think it all lives and dies by him, basically, as far as Adelaide's concerned. You know, the sooner he gets the full, the full powers, you know, that's going to be where they get turned around. But, yeah, he, he's vital to their, um, to their side. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Adelaide squad, Syria and Enrico are injured. You've got Sanchez, Jitte, Goodwin, Kamau, and Mork all gone from last year. I mean, that's a... It's, it's a an, very it's depleted a, side. It's an entirely new attack for them, really. And with Syria and Enrico injured, it's not had time to settle in yet. So they're hard to gauge on who the bigger threat is. I mean, maybe Guardiola, but Odoherty's had his moments. It's hard to tell with Adelaide and attack at the moment who's going to be the biggest threat because... They're all kind of scrambling to put it together at the moment. As a one thing I will say unit. about Adelaide, but is their defence is very settled. Yeah. Now that's uh, probably the one thing that's why, you know, even though they haven't won a game of season, they're not getting absolutely blown out of the water, and it's just un- unlucky things here and there. And so I think it's the defence is what's yeah. settled, but they sort of tend to you can't sleep from time to time. That might be where the game can be won or lost. They're just struggling in the final third, really. And the one th- and the one thing you would say about Adelaide is they got off to a fairly slow start last year and then just took off. I really hope the Roar aren't, t- aren't the team that we look back in a few months and say, oh, well, remember that game against Brisbane when they just came in and started playing like champions? And that's the one thing. There's no individuals we're really singling out here, but as a team, they're desperate. I mean, they're on the back of back-to-back home games now. I mean, this is round seven, and they haven't got a win yet. They're going to be extra determined to get that win on the board now before they... I just think they're going on the road next week anyway, but yeah. they'll be really keen to get that win. And they'll be probably looking at saying, Brisbane Roar don't travel too well. This is our big chance to get three points. And, and looking at the sort of chatter as well, sort of on social media and even, you know, f- from our uh, colleagues over over in the uh, Red Army podcast, I, they they are desperate there. The fans are starting to lose patience very quickly. And, you know, I don't think that, you know, another loss, and wow, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be some questions. Guillermo Moore's not going to turn into Mike Mulvey. Is he getting sacked a few months after winning the championship? Was it round six or round eight that Mulvey went? It was November. That's all I remember. <laughs> A couple more losses, and I think, yeah, you know, despite him being a legend, you know, sort of that, I think, yeah, something's got to change. It's I a fickle it's business. Mm. It, I mean, it, he's it got decimated with injuries. I mean, yeah, there's he, a difference. Mulvey's squad was all together, but let's not go over that. That's it. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see the Raw adopt a similar setup to how they did against Melbourne City, where they maybe try and play from the back a little bit more, ask Adelaide to attack, and then try and catch them on the break. Because as we mentioned before, like we've still got a lot of that pace to keep an eye on. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays. So, of course, the Raw aren't the only... Or the A-League side aren't the only Raw team in action this weekend. You've got Saturday, the Women's League uh, playing 4pm in Perth. It's local time. At Ashfield Soccer Club. I'm guessing that's what SC stands for. Yep. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah? Ash, Ashfield... <laughs> I've spi- never heard of the place, sorry. Ashfield <laughs> Spaghetti Cookers. Yeah. <laughs> 
Or like sports club something, anyway. Yeah. Then the National Youth League at 5pm, Brisbane against Melbourne Victory Expense Park, as we mentioned before. So, love to see a few of the members get out to yeah. that and take advantage yeah. of it. Let's get, go, let's get on to our predictions and then uh, just wrap up really quickly. So, we're going to start off something for the A-League you're expecting to see this weekend. Adam, what have you got? Uh, I think uh, what I'm looking at is probably that uh, Melbourne Victory Wanderers game. I think it's going to be sort of crucial as far as, you know, not, not only from on the pitch, but I think off the pitch as well, you know. <laughs> yeah, those games... That's actually talking on or off the field here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I think both. I think, you know, on the pitch, I think it's a vile game for both clubs. You know, off the pitch as well, it's a game that has potency to, you know, to you know, the crowd. It could be some issues, so... I actually am thinking that the crowd's going to be well enough behaved that the headline is going to be three people arrested at uh, where the game is. Well, the North Terrace is going to turn up. Oh, sorry, they're not called that anymore, sorry. The guys in the North End. The fo- group formerly known as the North Terrace. All right, Scott, what's your prediction okay, for so the Okay, so I won't use that. I'll go with Melbourne City away. Is it they're playing Newcastle, you said? Uh, Thursday night. They're yeah, at so home against Newcastle, I yeah, think. Yeah, um, so bounce back factor. Both those sides... Newcastle pretty disappointing away from home. Melbourne City, they're pitching themselves as a big contender. They need to win this game. All right, my prediction for this weekend, Central Coast are going to throttle Wellington, a side that's missing a lot of players with the international window coming up. And also as well in Canberra as well. Hopefully a big crowd in Canberra as well if we're talking about expansion. Yeah, that's it. It'll be a good game to watch. Uh, just quickly, one thing that I'm just remembering now. The Socceroos are playing next Tuesday night. We won't get to talk to everyone before then. Are we expecting a win for there? Yes. Do you think McLaren's going to be up front? That's, hope so. Yes. I, I hope so. I, I'd love <laughs> to see him get a game. Although, with Sydney coming up five days later, maybe not. Maybe not a full game, but we'll see what happens. No, I think we, if we've got any desire to go into Russia, it's a game we've got to win, and we've got to win well. I think it's a... It's no, I think it's no. I think you know, going over there and having a one 0 win, I don't think it's good enough. I think at this juncture, we need points. We need to win. Everyone's been pointing to these two games against Thailand as points pointers. to bank in. I mean, you got to do it. You got to get the job done. We're just going to do our job. Yep. All right, so let's finish off with predictions for the Raw game. Adam? Oh. <laughs> I try not to be the eternal peasants of the uh, panel. Uh, look, I think it'll be a one-all draw. Scott? I was going to go one-all draw as well because okay. I have no idea. No, you're allowed I'll to change. No, I'll change. No, I'll share. say one-nil. I'll say one-nil to Brisbane. I'm going to go 2-1 to Brisbane. Adelaide keeps up their current form. All right, so that's going to be it for this week, guys. Thanks for your time. Yeah, good to be here. Yep, and we'll be back again this time next week whenever you're listening to us to talk about the Adelaide game and look ahead to the Maroon Saturday, I suppose it is, against Sydney FC. (laughs) I get the feeling Scott's going to have a lot to to say about that. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.